Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why I think now is a great time to buy a property, uh, something that's uh, certainly not very popular, I guess, in the media at the moment because, uh, you know, sentiments uh, turned very negative. Now, mid last year, I recorded a podcast episode called uh, Don't Buy Property in This Market because at the time, property buyers were overpaying to get into the market. Uh, and I'm going to call this uh, the FOMO premium, which I'll talk about in a second. But it was my thesis that it's never wise to allow uh, fear to drive uh, financial decisions. So that is FOMO. Uh, and it was better to not buy property in 2021 if it meant having to overpay. So that is, you know, in, in lots of situations, the most successful buyers were only the buyers that were willing to overpay. Now, obviously, the property market has cooled somewhat this year. And for that reason, I think now's a, a much better time to be able to buy property if you can find the right asset, of course. Okay, so let's have a look back then. What drove the property boom, uh, the most recent property boom uh, through 2020 and 2021? Uh, and it's important to note uh, that the median house price uh, along the eastern capital cities, so obviously Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, grew by a compounding annual rate of between 12 and 16% over the last three years. So 12 to 16% compounding over that period of time. So certainly growth was well above uh, the long-term average. And I think that there's two reasons or two things that drove this growth. And it's important to understand because it will inform us about what where prices might go from here. And these two factors were one, long horizon mean reversion, and two, to a much lesser extent, FOMO premium, which I'll talk about in a second. But before we do that, let's talk about long horizon mean reversion. So I've spoken about this before a few times in the podcast, and uh, the thesis behind long horizon mean reversion is in the long run, uh, returns will eventually return to their long-term average, which means that periods of above average growth are typically followed by periods of below average growth or even a price correction and vice versa. So uh, there's, a, a, I think, a really useful chart that I've drawn, uh, and the link will be in the show notes, of course, the blog on the website, that illustrates uh, median house price growth over 3, 5, 10, 15 years, and 42 years, so very long term. Uh, and what it does do is show that uh, growth over 3, 5, 10, and 15 years is below the long-term horizon or long-term uh, median growth rate, except in two situations. And those two situations are, firstly, uh, the Sydney growth rate over the past 10 years has exceeded the long-term average by 1.6%. However, growth over 15 years is, is in line with the long-term average. So therefore, it's, it's possible that what the Sydney market has done uh, is overcorrected uh, because uh, five-year growth is is below long-term average, uh, and really during uh, 2017 to 2019, that three-year period, the compounding growth rate was negative, about negative two to two to three uh, percent. And so, what this chart suggests is that it's quite possible that the Sydney market is overcorrected. Now, remember, this is just median price data, so it's not saying every property in Sydney is overvalued. Uh, but it could mean that, uh, that that Sydney prices will correct slightly more than other 
uh, capital cities or maybe enter into a period of slightly lower growth. The second exception is uh, Brisbane's growth rate over the last five years. Again, it is above the long-term average, but it's noteworthy to point out that uh, the average growth rate over 10 and 15 years is still below the long-term average. So really what the Brisbane market has been doing over the last three years of, is making up uh, for more than a, a decade of underperformance. Uh, and when you look at that sort of growth, um, particularly noting that despite the strong growth over the last three years, it's still below the long-term average over 10 and 15 years, it still shows that that market probably still has a little bit of mean reversion left in it. I recently updated another chart uh, that, again, the, the link's in the show notes, uh, that shows that the property market m- moves in two distinct cycles. Uh, that is, there's a flat cycle, typically followed by a growth cycle, and when that growth cycle finishes, we enter into another flat cycle. So to a large extent, uh, what's really happened over the last uh, three years in Melbourne and Sydney in particular is really just making up for the previous three-year period that actually produced a negative return in terms of median price growth, which is unusual. And perhaps when you stand back and look at the last three years' worth of growth, which I acknowledged is unsustainable because it's been above the long-term average, but when you put, stand back and look at it in context of longer-term returns, the, the property market certainly doesn't look overheated. It doesn't look like it's in bubble territory. And really, the the strong growth was really just making up for underperformance, so that is mean reversion. Okay, to a much lesser extent, I think FOMO premium has contributed to growth over the last few years. So it's been well documented that Australia's reaction to COVID throughout 2020 and 2021 uh, really fueled property demand. So uh, firstly, the cash rate was ostensibly cut to zero. Uh, The RBA also lent a whole bunch of very cheap money to the banks, which they used to fund very low fixed rate loans, uh, often below 2%. Um, Higher income earners were able to preserve their incomes because their occupations lent themselves to continuing to work from home, uh, which is distinctly unlike uh, lower income earners, you know, that might have worked in retail or hospitality or travel, for example, and, and when we're in lockdowns, uh, they had no opportunity to continue uh, uh, generating the same income that they were used to. Um, due to lockdowns, uh, particularly higher income earners spent less than saved more, and they really did enjoy uh, higher levels of surplus cash flow. And finally, people were spending more time at home, which really invited them to reflect upon whether their home adequately suited their lifestyle needs, particularly given if people came to the conclusion that they're going to do some level of work from home and therefore needed a larger accommodation size to be able to do that. So these factors all conspired to create a lot of demand for um, property, particularly from higher income earners, particularly for people looking to upgrade their home. So uh, the key point there is the demand was mainly fueled by own occupiers, not investors. Uh, investors can sometimes be responsible or more responsible for for driving asset price bubbles uh, because of a speculation, and, and it was probably easy to speculate at that point given interest rates were really low or enticing to speculate, whereas owner-occupiers tend to make uh, um, more long-dated uh, decisions that aren't necessarily linked to the financial indicators of the day. So owner-occupiers are more interested about affordability 
rather than value. You know, is it a good time to buy now? What will the future returns be? Um, that's not what they're really thinking about. What they're really thinking about is I would like to up- upgrade my home. I'd like to move into a better location or have more accommodation size. Is that going to be affordable over the longer term? And that's how they tend to make decisions. Now, if we wind our mind back to last year, the common buyer sentiment at that particular time was kind of thinking interest rates are going to drive, low interest rates are going to drive property values higher. So we've got to get into the market before it's too late. And as such, a lot of buyers were thinking, look, I'm happy to pay a slight premium now to be able to get into the market and buy the property that I want, rather than waiting and paying a lot more in the future. And this is what I'm calling now the FOMO premium, which is really present uh, throughout 2021, um, but started to disappear towards the end of last year and, and is no longer uh, present. So it's it's conceivable now that prices might fall back a little bit um, because of the absence of this FOMO premium. Okay, so now we know, or at least we've considered, what has contributed to the extraordinary growth over the last couple of years. And as I said, the key takeaway is that we're not in bubble territory where we expect a major correction. Uh, We understand what has driven or fueled that buyer demand. Again, mostly owner-occupiers, so that's uh, distinctly different from investors. Uh, But really, the sentiment around property at the moment is very negative. And so I think it's really easy for people to think, okay, now's not the right time. Uh, And really, um, uh, buying against conventional wisdom uh, is always a, a challenging process. But really the best time to buy an asset class is when it's unpopular to do so uh, because it means there's less competition from other buyers. It means it gives you more time to be able to complete due diligence, so less pressure around making a quick decision. And because there's less competition, it means the risk of overpaying is greatly reduced also. However, unfortunately, human beings are very much influenced by social proof. That is, if we see other people doing what we want to do, it gives us confidence that it's in fact the right thing to do. And we're hardwired to follow the pack, so it often feels unnatural or uncomfortable to do the opposite. And in a a market where there is a lot of negative sentiment uh, and there's a bunch of economists out there predicting that property prices will fall by 15 or more percent, uh, the conventional wisdom is it's not a good time to buy which really means that it is actually, in fact, an excellent time to buy. So I can hear people thinking, particularly obviously people that have been considering buying a property in the near future, saying, well, maybe I'll delay buying and see if prices drop even further. And my response to that is, well, firstly, I'm trying to present a case that prices over the last two to three years were mainly driven by mean reversion, which is fundamentally sound, predictable and sustainable, and whilst property property prices were making up for lost ground, we're certainly not in bubble territory. I acknowledge that the FOMO premium certainly contrib- contributed a small amount to this growth. And because it's evaporated, maybe prices will come back between, say, 4 to 6%. But price falls of 15 plus per, per percent are very, very unlikely. In fact, statistically, if you have a look at the probability, it's around about 2 to 3% uh, based on standard deviations and so forth. Most importantly, however, that no one can really know what the market's going to do in the short run. Statistically, it's more likely that prices will fall by a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, But waiting has risk too, because large price drops may not eventuate, uh, and you'll miss out then on the opportunities that might present themselves 
over the coming months. Secondly, and probably most importantly, it's really important to understand that investment-grade assets rarely sell at bargain prices. So, you know, auction clearance rates are in the low 50%, which, which certainly suggests it's a buyer's market. Have I know personally, I've attended a few auctions of investment-grade properties in recent weeks, and there's been some very, very good results, you know, results that have exceeded the vendor's expectations. And that's because quality property will always outperform in any market. Uh, And so if you want a a high-quality asset, you must be prepared to pay fair market value in, in any kind of market. I'd much rather buy a wonderful property at a fair price than a fair property at a wonderful price. So if you're getting a bargain or you're looking for a bargain, you think you've found one, you've really got to ask yourself why. Why is this property selling at a bargain? Uh, could it be that it's a compromised asset and you, it won't make actually a good long-term investment? Or maybe you could be lucky. I mean, lucky happens too. Uh, but really, uh, it should give you confidence that if a asset is selling for a fair value in this market, that it really does have the attributes that are necessary to drive a really good long-term value. So I think probably the only challenge, or the main challenge at least, over the next uh let's say six to 12 months, will be stock levels. I note that uh, commentator Pete Wargen uh, notes in his blog, or points out in his blog, that CoreLogic highlighted that property listings are 27% below their five-year average, which is a big number. I think it's likely that stock levels will fall even further as we get more interest rate hikes and uh, higher inflation readings. I mean, that will fuel more bad news in the media which I think will deteriorate consumer and property sentiment even further. Although it's, it's important to note, you know, consumer sentiment and uh, investor sentiment is already at significant lows, so it probably doesn't have too far to fall from here. Uh, therefore, I think uh, discretionary vendors will be more likely to delay a sale rather than push it through this year. Now, of course, there could be some motivated vendors, you know, people that have experienced some financial hardship and so forth, but these are less likely to occur in investment-grade locations. So if you're waiting on the sidelines thinking that higher inflation and higher interest rates uh, will start to fuel people to sell property, uh, I would remind you that most of the people that have purchased property over the last five years have been owner-occupiers, not investors. So they're less likely to make a whimsical decision to go and sell their asset because it has uh, substantial lifestyle uh, implications by doing so. Uh, but notwithstanding that, uh, they're unlikely to be or experience any financial hardship. Uh, and the people that might experience financial hardship are likely to be the lower income earners uh, and then probably not likely to be owning property in investment grade locations. As property buyers, you know, when we've got really low stock levels, it does really make it very difficult. Uh, and you just have to have heaps of patience. Uh, patience to buy the right property at the right price and uh, realise that uh, a good asset might not present itself uh, in the near future. Okay, so let's wrap up. You know, I think investing is a lot like parenting in that if you feel good while doing it, you're probably not doing it right. You know, doing things like investing in undervalued assets, uh, bucking the trend, uh, bucking conventional wisdom, those sorts of things often feel really uncomfortable But the discomfort is often a really good sign that you're making the right decision. 
uh, because going against the masses, you know, buying when it's unpopular to do so and not buying when it is popular to do so is something that I've experienced that has really served me very well. Okay, before I let you go, just as a quick reminder, I'm running a webinar at 12.30 today, today being the 27th of July 2022, of course. Uh, And if you want to listen to that webinar, there's a, a link to register in the show notes. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.